Chapter 2 of Religion and Health. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Olivia. Religion and Health by James Joseph Walsh. Chapter 2, Part 1. Prayer. In spite of a very prevalent impression in the matter, the all-important element of religion is not attendance at church, or the public exercise of religious functions, or even the joining in religious celebrations, for all these may be accomplished by routine, without an element of real devotion to the Creator in them. They may even be gone through with hypocritically, while all the time one is thinking of merely worldly things, or even of the effect that one is producing on others by the show of devotion, though with such slight advertence as to make the devotions of extremely little value, or even a sort of insult to the Almighty, if the negligent attitude of mind is assumed deliberately, bodily participation in worship is a necessary adjunct of the expression of religious feeling. But it is, of course, of just so much less importance than the mental worship of the Creator as the body is less important than the mind. Mental adoration of the Deity is accomplished through prayer, which is the all-important personal element of religion. Prayer, in the words of the old Christian teachers, is a raising up of the mind to God, asking for help, begging for forgiveness for past errors, and thanking Him for all that He has done for us. Real prayer is no mere formula of words, and some very fervent prayers are made without being formulated into words at all. I remember once suggesting in a medical meeting that prayer was an extremely valuable adjunct to the treatment for certain milder forms of disturbed mentality, and for the dreads and obsessions that haunt men and women, that is, in general, for that very important class of diseases which in our day are grouped under the term psychoneuroses. A physician friend, in discussing the suggestion, said that no words that he knew would dispel or be of the slightest help in any of these conditions, as they came under his observation. Prayer is not, however, a formula of words, but an act of the mind and the heart and the will, for, to be genuine, it should contain acknowledgment, affection, and resolve. My colleague's failure to appreciate the true meaning of prayer and his apparent persuasion that the words were the all-important element in prayer are not surprising, for rather frequently it happens that the personal experience of the professional classes as to prayer is not calculated to be really enlightening. Professor James confesses that unfortunately comparatively few educated people have the real power of prayer. Those who have, however, possess a magnificent source of renewed energy that can be of the greatest possible service to them. He says, Relatively few medical men and scientific men, I fancy, can pray. Few can carry on any living commerce with God. Yet many of us are well aware of how much freer and abler our lives would be were such important forms of energizing not sealed up by the critical atmosphere in which we have been reared. There are, in every one, potential forms of activity that actually are shunted out from use. Part of the imperfect vitality under which we labor can thus be easily explained. One part of our mind dams up, even dams up, the other parts. Manifestly, the well-known professor of psychology envied those who lived lives of prayer and felt that he was missing something in life from not possessing the developed faculty to enjoy their privileges. Like so many other of the good things of life, prayer, to be really efficient for all the good it can produce, must be a habit and must be practiced as a rule from very early years. 
Otherwise, it is hard to make it such a factor in living as is significant for the best, and professional men commonly have not given enough time to the practice in their early years to make it of potency when it may be needed. It is, of course, not long vocal prayers, though many people find not only consolation, but strength for their work and the added capacity to bear their trials in these, but the frequent raising up of the heart and mind to the power above us, striving to put our intentions in line with his, in the hope to do our work so that it will not be unworthy of the best aspirations that he has put in our hearts, that counts. Many of the saints have suggested that all our work should be a prayer begun with the right intention, pursued, no matter how difficult it may be, with the feeling that this is what we ought to do here and now, and finished with the offering of it to the Creator who has lent us the energy to accomplish it. Ora et labora. Pray and work, was the motto which Benedict, who revolutionized the social conditions of Europe by bringing back the dignity of labor and lifting men's minds out of the rut of the cult of their bodies, into which they had fallen at the close of the Roman Empire, gave to members of his order. It was really not two things, but one, that he meant. What his sons accomplished as the result of his great motto, we are only just beginning to recognize. They saved the old classics for us, kept the torch of education burning when barbarism might have quenched it, passed it on to the new generation, yet at the same time saved and developed agriculture so that, as President Goodell of the Massachusetts Agricultural College said, they made some of the best agricultural schools, in the best sense of that term, that have ever been made and organized health and happiness for the country people as they have never been made possible before or since, except in the very modern time. In the chapter on longevity, there are some statistics which might very well and easily have been increased in numbers with regard to the effect of St. Benedict's foundation on the length of life that men have lived. Even now, in the midst of all our improvements in sanitation, which has so lowered the death rate among mankind, we find that nearly 1,500 years after Benedict's work was first begun, his direction to make life a compend of work and prayer is having its effect in prolonging existence for the followers of his rule today. He himself would probably have said that it was the combination of these two that proved so effective in this important matter of lengthening life. We find that people outside the monasteries work enough, however, but fail to pray. So it would seem that prayer is a particularly important factor, for monastic longevity at least, Length of life comes, however, from a healthy mind and a healthy body, and nothing so conduces the possession of a healthy mind as the habit of prayer. Since it enables man to throw off, to some extent at least, and the deeper the prayer habit, the more it will do it, the solicitudes and anxiety with regard to the past and the present and the future which disturb so many people. As Ignatius Loyola, the wise founder of the Jesuits, said, Pray as if everything depended on God, work as if everything depended on you, but leave everything to the Almighty, for you might as well, since His will will surely be accomplished anyhow. It would be very easy to think that such habits of prayer in the midst of work would only be possible if the work that one was engaged at was not very interesting, or was not taken very seriously, and was being accomplished in more or less of a routine. In particular, many scientific students, and especially those who are interested in psychology, would probably feel quite sure that very great results could not be accomplished in any important work if distractions of this kind were allowed, and above all, encouraged. It is interesting, then, to take some of the examples of men who are known to have formed and maintained such habits, and yet accomplished very great work for mankind. 
the list might be made a very long one we shall mention only a few of the most distinguished almost in our own time pasteur has said as we have already quoted the more i study nature the more i stand amazed at the work of the creator i pray while i am engaged at work in the laboratory a distinguished contemporary of his in france in his earlier years was le verrier there is no doubt at all about his power of concentration he is the scientist who discovered the planet neptune by mathematics alone without the aid of a telescope he constantly kept a crucifix in his observatory and used to turn his eyes to it frequently for recollection and then go on with his calculations there is a well-known picture of vesalius who so well deserves the title of father of modern anatomy at work in his anatomical rooms with a crucifix before him the composition is founded on the tradition that the great anatomist was a devout man who prayed as he worked he made a pilgrimage to the holy land in his older years in expiation for a fault committed in spite of traditions to the contrary a great many of our scientists of the last two centuries whose work has meant most for modern medicine have been men to whom prayer meant very much there are traditions of morgani the distinguished father of modern pathology as virchow hailed him which show that never a day passed without his raising his heart in prayer volta and galvani whose names have become so familiar in modern electricity were both of them well known for their devotion to the practice of daily religious duties french scientists were not less devout lenac a breton by birth lost none of the devoutness of his early years so characteristic of the bretons even when he was in the midst of the great work which enabled him to write the greatest medical book in modern times Azanam has told us that when he felt himself thoroughly discouraged and ready to think religion something that any one who wanted to keep up with modern thought would have to give up he wandered into a church hoping that prayer might help him to dispel his doubts and difficulties and found there praying before the altar devoutly his great professor of science ampere deep thinkers whether of scientific temper of mind or not have recognized the value of prayer Vesalius's great contemporary michelangelo who is perhaps the greatest intellectual and artistic genius that the world has ever known sculptor architect painter poet and unsurpassed in all these modes of human expression at their highest was another for whom his crucifix meant much and who frequently turned to it one of his greatest sonnets is dedicated to the crucified one of leonardo da vinci's private life we know less but on his deathbed he left a sum of money to be used to provide candles to burn on the altar of the little village church at which he had prayed as a boy so that evidently something of that old fervor of spirit was his at the end leonardo da vinci's mind was one of the most acute in the whole history of mankind he was a great painter sculptor architect and also a great engineer a great scientific discoverer an inventor of all sorts of useful appliances and a veritable marvel of comprehensive appreciation of the significance of even the most obscure things he is a founder in half a dozen sciences paleontology biology anatomy physics and mechanics and nothing makes one feel the smallness of the ordinary man like reading a sketch of leonardo's achievements of course the clergymen scientists have been men of prayer but few realize how many of them have made distinguished contributions to the domain of science pogendorf's biographical lexicon contains the names of nearly a thousand clergymen who have made such contributions to science as deserve that their fame should be thus enshrined among the scientists of history one of the greatest astronomers of the nineteenth century was father secchi a jesuit some of whose work was done for a time in america among the most distinguished names in modern science are abbe bruel and father obermeyer who have taught the world so much about the caveman 
both of them are well known for their faithful performance of their religious duties in the midst of their scientific work raising up the heart and mind in the midst of work instead of increasing distractions rather helps to control them distractions will come and may prove seriously wasteful of time but are caught in the habit of lifting up the mind occasionally and then the original work is taken up with renewed energy above all such a habit of prayer keeps people from getting into a state of irritable haste about their work in which they consume a lot of energy without getting much done and wear out their nervous systems by the feeling of nervousness that comes over them to do anything under a sense of pressure is nearly always to disturb the best efforts of the mind and skimp the work doing things in this way leads to that bane of modern existence nervous breakdown which has become ever so much commoner since men forgot that it is not labor for ourselves that counts so much as labor for others and that an over-anxiety to get things done for selfish reasons burns up nervous energy faster than anything else fussy irritable effort to work gets on the nerves sooner than any amount of calm effort would prayer as i have described would be the cure for it st teresa's well-known prayer is the antidote when the life of the late cardinal vaughan of london appeared one of the most surprising things in it was the story of the distinguished english cardinal's habit of prayer almost needless to say he was an extremely busy man important problems in the administration of his immense archdiocese and in the relationship of the english catholics to their fellow-citizens came before him every day he had to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and make his decisions promptly and thoroughly for a great many details necessarily devolved on him somehow he found time for hours of prayer during the day and those who knew him best felt sure he would have declared that so far from distracting him in his work or taking time from it in any real sense of the word it would have been quite impossible for him to accomplish all that he did without this habit of prayer it was this which enabled him to keep a placid mind and make his decisions easily and firmly in the midst of his work he himself would undoubtedly have added that he felt he actually derived help from the infinite through prayer which enabled him to do his work ever so much better than it would have been possible by his own unaided effort there have been many others and not a few of them who were not churchmen who have felt this same way even in our strenuous times a whole series of the generals in command of important departments of the french army were men who never let a day pass without prayer and who often raised their hearts and minds up to the power above them for help in their work and also for resignation that the will of the most high might be accomplished general pau for instance was one of these when during the war he was presented with flowers by the children of villages through which he passed he would say these must be for the altar and then he would ask the children to pray for the success of the french army and would insist that for victory we must pray very much general de castanel was another of these men who found a resource and a real help in prayer he felt that the prayers of others helped him that is the index of real recognition of the value of prayer i beg you to implore him especially to give me light and courage there is no position where one is more completely in his hands than that which i hold he wrote to monsignor ricard archbishop of Auch. more than ever i find by experience the all-importance in war as elsewhere of the imponderables and these imponderables are manifestly in his hands who knows all and guides all we might go on with such examples for instance marshal pitan who at the end of the war was in command of the french troops was another of these strong men of prayer earlier in the great war he had been in command at verdun 
transferred there just as it seemed almost impossible to believe that the germans could be kept from taking the place the words of his first order issued the day of his arrival they shall not pass show the character of the man he was almost reckless in his bravery when it was necessary to impress his troops with the need to go on no matter what it cost alone and on foot he led his troops under a rain of german shells at st bon after that he could ask anything of his men general grand whose masterly defense of the allied line when the germans made their great final unsuccessful attack stamps him as one of the greatest military leaders of the day had been wounded a number of times before this but refused to give up and when early in the war one of his arms had to be amputated and the surgeons were afraid that he would object he said very simply go on if you think it necessary i offer it to god for france his recovery from his several wounds at that time seemed almost impossible so in gratitude for it he hung an ex voto in white marble at the shrine of our lady of victories in paris general fayol is another striking example of prayerfulness in a practical man he had intended to spend a year of his retirement which came just before the war opened in following the footsteps of st paul's missionary voyages he offered himself for service and proved a great leader yet a simple kindly man whom his soldiers called Père Fayol. A letter of his directed to the mayor of Mainz showed very clearly that while he remembered and realized all the cruelty of the German occupation of Belgium and France, there was no fear of reprisals from the French, just so they might be. He is a man of deep knowledge of his religion, as well as of firm piety, and he is famous for his matter-of-fact common sense. He has all the qualities which some people, because they have had so little experience in the matter, assume are not to be found in a man who believes thoroughly in and practices prayer a good deal has been said in recent years about the practice of going into silence and finding there renewal of the self like so many other new modes of expression this is merely a new formula for that very old religious custom meditation and some of the old writers on spiritual subjects not only generations ago but actually many hundreds of years before modern history began laid down the rules for it rather carefully Meditation can be a source of some of the most valuable, suggestive, helpful, consolation, as well as profound enlightenment in difficult problems that human nature has. Above all, it generates a calm that makes for peace of mind and, therefore, health of body. John Boyle O'Reilly recognized its deeper meanings a generation ago when he wrote, The infinite always is silent. It is only the finite that speaks. Our words are idle wave caps on the deep that never breaks we may question with wand of science explain decide and discuss but only in meditation the mystery speaks to us most of the religious orders and it is in them particularly that the effect of religion on health and happiness and efficiency and increase of the power to achieve under the influence of profoundly religious motives can be studied require by rule that their members shall spend at least half an hour in meditation each morning and with many of them of course an hour or more is required they prepare for it the night before by reading some passage in the life of christ or by taking some special lesson from his teaching the next morning they reflect how this can be exemplified in their own daily lives and proceed to make certain practical applications of it to the everyday concerns with which they are occupied it is surprising how efficient in living up to their very best during the day this makes a great many of the members there are exceptions of course who fail to derive the proper benefit from the practice because they do not devote themselves to it with sufficient earnestness to secure its advantages 
but most of them as a result of this daily period of morning prayer are rendered capable of going through a monotonous round of hard daily work and succeeding in getting excellent results and in keeping cheerful and light-hearted in the midst of what might otherwise seem a very trivial mode of life the motives thus imparted to them often make even the trifles of life of great interest and significant import as a result of their life of prayer members of religious orders have ever so many less complaints than people who live under corresponding circumstances largely within doors amid a rather monotonous round of existence it is extremely rare to find religious devotees who enjoy poor health as so many of the laity do having less complaints they suffer less from disease for after all discomfort depends on two factors one the irritation and the other the mode of its reception an irritable person will suffer tortures though under the same circumstances a placid composed person will be but very little disturbed whenever there is much reaction there is always an increase of the pain that has to be borne whenever much attention is paid to discomfort the concentration of mind on it multiplies by the law of avalanche the number of cells in the brain affected and this multiplies the actual discomfort felt a few thousand cells may be affected by a particular focus of irritation but if all the other cells of the brain are concentrated on this sensation each of them and there are many millions of them will share something at least of the discomfort besides concentration of attention sends more blood or rather opens the blood vessels in the irritated neighborhood somewhat in the way that a blush opens them on the cheek and this hyperemia increases the sensitiveness of the part the individual then who by the help of prayer lessens his complaints actually lessens his discomfort to stand a thing patiently for a high motive actually makes the pain suffered less than it would otherwise be when a man can look forward calmly toward the future and say wholeheartedly thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven a great many things are easier to bear because of the recognition of the fact that they are the will of a providence who oversees everything that is being accomplished and that somehow somewhere all is to be for the best when men recall to themselves the words forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us word it as you will they are reminded of how much they owe to the father in heaven and therefore how much they ought to be willing to pay back not only for what they have been given but also for all the failures that they have made to say nothing of serious faults suffering then comes to have a real meaning that anyone even the least intellectual can understand and by that very fact it becomes easier to bear i have often found that i could do a great deal for nervous patients by suggesting that they adopt some morning practice of prayer usually the best thing for my catholic patients was to advise them to go to mass for this they had to get up at a definite hour dress promptly and usually be some blocks away from home by eight o'clock some duty as this requiring promptitude and taking the mind off oneself and the little troubles that often loom so large in the morning is an excellent thing for neurotic patients the great characteristic of the neurosis is that they make people feel depressed when they first awake they often feel tired and incapable and find it hard to begin the day well and beginning the day well often means more than anything else in dispelling nervous symptoms and dreads and inhibitions most nervous people realize that when they have to get up promptly at about seven o'clock as for instance after a night on a train they have almost none of the feelings of oppression that greet their arising when they can turn over in bed and drowse a little longer and let the troubles which have awakened ever so much more promptly than their incentives to do things soak in and take possession of them 
to get up and accomplish a duty that gives some satisfaction soon proves to be a wide-open gate of escape from these early-morning blue devils of which so many of the nervous complain so bitterly. End of chapter 2, part 1. Recording by Olivia.